Do you dream about your next trip? You're in the right place. On the Time to Talk Travel podcast, we come to you weekly to share places to go and what to do when you get there. Let's dive into this week's adventure. Hello and good morning. We are here for another episode of Time to Talk Travel, where we are going to chat about all the issues you didn't know could exist in the travel world. This morning, it's going to be myself, Nasreen, Sharon, Des, and Mo. We are going to cover expecting the unexpected and everything that can go wrong on your perfect vacation. To start with, we're just going to dive right in. Let's just get out of the way one of your stories, something that went wrong, something that just ruined it, you had to work around. Des, go for it. I feel like I have so many of these now because now it really is the norm to have a delay or cancellations even. When I flew to Iceland last year with my daughter, it was December, mid-December, and everybody told us Iceland could handle blizzards. It is Iceland. They cannot. <laughs> At least not the first blizzard of the year. It had not snowed a single flake before we got there in mid-December for the year. And then they got the worst blizzard ever. Roads shut down and what have you. But as far as flights and, and getting to the airport, there were people who flew in who landed and couldn't leave the airport because all the roads were shut. In our case, it was more an issue of we couldn't get back to the airport to get to a flight. And it was miserable. People didn't have food. Pipes in the airport burst and it flooded. It was the worst case scenario as far as delays, cancellations. Um, you couldn't get in or out uh, and you couldn't even leave if you were at the airport. Uh, I felt fortunate because we were still at the hotel. So we had the luxury of being relaxed and getting food and being able to walk around. Um, even though, of course, it was stressful not knowing whether our flight home would happen. Uh, and we had the compounded stress if my daughter had to get back for exams <laughs> for school, which were critical for college admittance. But that was a whole other layer of headache. Um, but no, we learned quickly. You've got to have the apps downloaded, tap into the airport websites. And because they were, the airport actually was the was hosting flights that were delayed in times quicker than the airline was. So that was my gold nugget. I never realized airports actually posted that information. and and. The case with Reykjavik, it was critical. It was the only way we knew whether to even try and leave our hotel to get to a flight. So one of my kind of drama travel experiences that wasn't even mine, I saw this from a view of a vendor and an outsider, was Iceland as well, or Iceland impacted. I was working in food service for coffee accounts, and we had licensee accounts in JFK. And I was visiting there, and it was during the volcanic eruption and all the smoke and everything was causing havoc with these flights to Europe. So people weren't leaving or coming. And our accounts were in the international terminal. And they had cots set up around mezzanines everywhere. The food service vendors that we worked with there, SSP America, were doing these family-style meals because people don't expect to be stuck at the airport for a week and a half, two weeks. People just weren't eating. And so they had these giant buffets of family-style meals that they were just serving to get people to eat. But it was chaos. And I just remember looking at that and being like, wow, I can't believe I'm seeing this. And I'm also glad I'm not the one who's stuck here. That's incredible. <laughs> I will tell you, the people who were stuck in the Iceland airport, they had access to nothing, nothing. And when we did get there for our flights, there were all these papers posted up on the walls 
where people had set up uh, like a WhatsApp group or said, if you have a charger, WhatsApp us here. I travel with protein bars. It's just my thing because then I know I'll always have a snack. And I did get stuck in another part of Iceland. It was a luggage hut and we were taking a travel bus between Blue Lagoon and our next hotel to Reykjavik. And we got stuck there for almost a full day. We ended up walking in a blizzard to get back to our hotel because the bus couldn't move. The roads had shut down. But I had 15 protein bars in my backpack. So I was super popular in there. And I wasn't worried about starving. Travel with Des. She carries extra food. <laughs> I'll have snacks. No dollar pass for you. <laughs> my husband visited there. It, it's a long and weird story for another podcast. But Sharon, what is your worst travel or the most memorable one or one you learned something from? So I, I had a year, a few years back where I don't know, knock on what it doesn't happen again, but I was extremely accident prone that year. And it, in the course of one year, I broke my hip and then I broke my arm both times during travel. So I broke my hip like running through an airport and I actually got on the plane went to England and walked around on a broken hip the whole time. I was in so much pain. My doctor, who I called, was like, no way, your hip can't be broken. You you wouldn't be walking around on a broken hip. And I, was, I got home and I had the x-ray and they were like, wow, I'm sorry. Apparently you're tougher than I thought. Oh, you love travel when. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, not going to miss out on England. I was like, I have reservations at F&M for high tea in the Jubilee room. I'm not going to miss that. Broken hip or not. And then I broke my arm at an adventure park in Mexico and it was badly broken, like really badly broken. Fly home at 4 a.m. the next day and get it set properly <laughs> broken. So I was so glad to have premium travel insurance and I cannot recommend it enough because both times I had to learn real quick just how to navigate my way through the airport. When I broke my hip and I got off that plane, I couldn't walk. I had to get an escort from the plane to the terminal. I had to change my reservations where I was staying because I was staying somewhere that was a second story walk up. There was no way I was doing that with a broken hip. I don't think I'd ever thought about that side effect of that. It never occurred to me. Yeah. And then when I flew home with my broken arm, I had to keep it elevated the whole time with ice. I couldn't sit in a regular seat on the plane. They had to upgrade me to first class. And let me keep my arm elevated. These are all things that like you wouldn't normally think about, but I cannot say enough great things about having had travel insurance because everything was covered. I was reimbursed for everything. They had people who I could call who could assist me, who were like, let us help you make the arrangements. And thank goodness, I will never travel internationally without that kind of insurance again. And it, it I 1,000% agree. And now Mo's going to tell us her drama. I'm going to knock on wood because I have had actually pretty lucky on my travels. However, I have traveled broken as well. And thankfully <laughs> broke it before I got there. We were going to Atlantis. My daughter was going to a sailing regatta there. And we flew through a hurricane with my broken ankle, my daughter and I. There's almost nothing that's going to stop us. But when it comes to being prepared, I think just mentally, I really do try to roll with it. We've talked in previous podcasts about how I don't really plan a lot. Get on the plane, bring your passport, bring a credit card, and pretty much good to go. 
And so from that, I think it leaves me a little bit more, okay, you know what? I'm expecting that we might get stuck somewhere, maybe not for a week or have to eat a family style buffet, but to just be a little bit mentally prepared that things probably most likely aren't going to go as smooth as we'd like them to. And then I've gotten stuck in airports all over the world and having access to one of those club passes that you can get that is valid all over the world in different airports is amazing. Gets you a lot of street cred with your kids too. Like I took one of them in Germany and he's, what is this? And you have free food and, and usually like beverages, wine, beer. So that can make those delays a lot more enjoyable or less painful. And you usually have access to chargers and areas to have a nap, like sleeping in airports is brutal if, if you're waiting for a delay. Those are things you can get for free these days with certain credit cards. That is a definite perk. I now have them on three of my credit cards, the priority pass for lounges. And you're right. That's a game changer. I will say, I think the delays and cancellations are much more common now than ever. Before it was, of course, there was a weather complication. You'd have a delay if you were flying into Denver to go skiing or something. But now with the computer glitches, the staffing shortages, I think post-pandemic, the delays are now the norm, um, sadly. And how you react is really critical. My last trip to Greece, I had six flights combined. My daughter and I, four of them had delays or cancellations. One of them was because we couldn't land the plane in Greece. It was just too windy in Santorini that day. So we had to go back to Athens. But the others were delays by hours. And I will say with the layovers, because it was Atlanta to New York to London and then London to Greece to Santorini. If we had not padded enough time between flights from JFK to London, we never would have made the flight to to Santorini. And so that's a critical thing I think people need to know now because I used to really play it close. I didn't want to sit in the airport for hours. So I'd say a yeah, two-hour labor is going to be fine. I would never do that now. And that so ties in with what Sharon was saying about travel insurance. I'm sitting here and I've had a lot of things go wrong. I traveled for business for years and years and there was always a complication. I was so prepared for them that I always had a plan B. I always knew something mm. was going to happen. I always had a backup plan. And I think that's more important than ever with travel. You're going to need a backup plan. I've been flying back and forth to Atlanta for a couple of months now, and I haven't flown a flight yet that wasn't impacted in some way, whether it was being slightly delayed or having a cancellation and I ended up booking a second flight or getting moved to a different flight. Just not a single one has gone off the way that it should have, except for I'm lying. Delta on the way back last time was fine. It did leave a little bit late, but not enough to really complain about. And we still got in early. However, it it really is the norm to the point where you should be when you're looking at the flights, thinking about, like Des said, the time in between. But if there is a minimal difference between a flight with two stops or a flight with one stop and a nonstop. We were looking at flights for my son to go to San Antonio recently, and it's $40 more for him to get a nonstop on JetBlue than to stop in Miami on American. And I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't save the money. <laughs> also, airports matter, too. My son goes to school in Oregon and he flies home. And if we can avoid LAX, if we can fly him direct from Portland to Santa Ana, for example, I will spend the extra money because I know he will get home. It won't take him 10 hours. He won't be stranded in Las Vegas. So it's, it makes such a difference. Uh, and another thing I was going to say, in addition to insurance, it's interesting because it's almost like we're going to an old school model 
Um, I've traveled a few times recently where I've made the reservation with a travel agent. We're all kind of travel hackers and I do my research and I maybe find the best rates, but I'm willing to spend the extra $50 to then make the reservation with a travel agent friend because the times when I have been stranded, when a flight's been canceled or a hotel doesn't pan out to be what it was supposed to be. And then I've got somebody on the ground at home who can get on the phone and make all those calls. Say another really smart thing. You really speed is the name of the game. Make sure whichever um, airline you book with has your cell number to text you and your email address. I know with the last flight I had to Greece, the very first flight was supposed to take off at 6.50 in the morning. I was on the way to the airport when we got a text alert saying it's been delayed till noon because of me mechanical issues. And I didn't wait to get to the airport to go stand in line. I got on the 1-800 number I have for, for Delta in this case. And I will say, if you can get a hold of the gold medallion, like they have a special line for people of certain levels. If you can hack your way into figuring out those numbers, you'll wait on hold for two minutes instead of two hours. I was on the phone with them and they got us on a nine o'clock flight instead of a noon flight. If I had gone to the airport, that would have been gone. It, speed is the name of the game. And call while you're in line. This is a story from several years ago, but when my husband and I were about to get married, he was like, don't travel the week we're getting married. It's a bad idea. I, I had an install. I had to go out and do it. And sure enough, we sit on the plane, sit on the plane, sit on the plane. JetBlue says, everybody's timed out. We're not getting out tonight. And everyone's getting off the plane. I'm on the phone and I seen the line build and I'm on the phone with customer service and off the phone before anybody else. I've already reserved a rental car from my phone in the plane because I'm going to drive back now. And I legitimately got off the phone, having canceled my flight and taken care of everything and basically raised my hands. And I'm not advocating this necessarily. The world is weird now. But I was like, if anyone doesn't have luggage, I'm driving back. I have room for three people. And it was me and three businessmen. And one of them was like, I have to get my dog out of the kennel before I go on another flight to drop him off to my friend. And, and so it was just this weird moment. But a lot of times getting on the phone while you're in line, start the process. And then also Twitter has worked out really well for me. I will tweet the airline and say I'm having an issue for the flight and I'm DMing them my confirmation number. Nine times out of 10, you will have an answer from their social media team before you ever talk to an actual rep for the airline. Yeah, I had that very successful with a lost bag with an airline that I spent eight hours on hold waiting to speak to someone and finally just tweeted the airline. And within, I don't know, an hour, they got back to me. They private messaged me and we went and we found the bag. It just happened to be just sitting in Houston. And just to go back to Sharon's point for a second, too, with choosing your airports wisely, um, especially in the winter, maybe avoid in winter Chicago. Um, New York, Colorado, not <laughs> Denver is not one of the places that is going to be great when a snowstorm comes through. So definitely looking at that and saying, is there somewhere warmer I can go? Well, and smaller airports, when there aren't a lot of flight crews coming in and out and it's not a hub in Burlington, Vermont, I used to have an issue. I never booked the first flight of the day in the winter because the crews usually mm. got in late the night before and there's a certain period of crew rest. So the first flight was always delayed. Smart. Yeah. Be first to get that hotel. If you're like, this is crazy. Nothing's getting out. Get a hotel immediately because those go fast. The cars go fast. Even if you can cancel it, but you 
you can't you can't make it happen if the if there's nothing left. So if you start to see things fall apart, definitely take care of yourself first. For sure. I was going to say another hack is always be kind. If you're the nice guy at the counter, instead of going off, I can't believe this delay and having a negative attitude, you will be treated accordingly. Always be kind. Don't get me wrong. But you do have to advocate for yourself. I, I basically spent three days at Newark, which before they redid it. So that's not very nice airport to be hanging out in. I was flying back from South Carolina, just a layover. I'd been in the airport, like sitting at the gate for six hours, waiting to go home to Toronto. And I go to board the plane. I have a boarding pass. Why would I talk to them? I have a boarding pass. Go to them. They're like, oh, could you just stand to the side? Okay, that's your first clue that something's not right here. So find somebody immediately to speak to. Don't just stand there like I did and wait for them to just board everyone and then close the door in your face and go, why am I not on the plane? And they're like, oh, we don't have you on here. I got really worried when I saw somebody else with a boarding pass with my seat number on it board the plane. I'm like, this is not going to end well. So at that point, if I had spoken up earlier, I probably could have had somebody from the airline actually figure it out before the plane left without me. So at that point, they two different airlines connecting from one airline to the other airline. Something didn't happen. And uh, even though I had a boarding pass with my name and seat and everything on it for that next airline, the airline started to play this game of pointing the finger at whose fault it was. If I hadn't spoken up and advocated for myself, they would have both just left me. It's their fault. It's their fault. I'm the one stuck in Newark with no flights. And it wasn't winter. There was no weather. There was absolutely no reason to be stuck there. And it went on for a day and a half before I could get on a flight back home for absolutely no reason. And that's when I had four little babies at home. I stood there and said, absolutely not. You're not leaving and you're not leaving until I have a flight home. I took both airline people together and the three of us figured it out. But be kind. I wasn't mad, but I wasn't going to be left at the airport without a solution either. Advocating yeah. for yourself and definitely having that information. You knew you were right. You knew you had a flight. You knew it was an issue between the airlines. And that also brings up the point of when something gets delayed or you have a cancellation and you're going to be overnight, you want to start planning as soon as possible. But you also want to know the reason why, because a lot of times the airlines won't tell you what you can get or what you're eligible for. And so knowing why the flight was delayed with a lot of airlines, you can track the flights back and see that something else didn't happen earlier in the day that was supposed to. And then they'll try and tell you it's weather. And then you'll say, no, your first plane took off five hours late. Why did that one take off late? Because that directly impacted it. So the basic kind of run through is if it can be considered an act of God, like weather, something out of the airline's control, they won't get you anything. However, if it was anything on their end at any point in time that pushed that flight later, missing parts, not enough crew, they had to wait for someone, anything that they were capable of fixing or that shouldn't have happened, then you're eligible for something. And you're eligible after a certain amount of hours. It varies from airline to airline, but sometimes it's four hours and they're supposed to give you a meal voucher. And a lot of people don't know this. You have to ask for it. They don't hand them out. They'll put out a snack cart maybe, but they're not going to hand out what you're eligible for. And so knowing what you're eligible for and asking for it is really important. And that has been adjusting. That's that is something the rules are changing all the time. What might have been standard a year ago is not necessarily the case anymore. I agree with you. If it's weather related, there goes any hope. Because I know with the Greece incident where we couldn't land, it was too windy. Is that in their control or not? They tried twice. So no, they ended up putting the whole flight in, up in a hotel 
and fed us in Athens because no one was supposed to go to Athens. We landed and they put us on buses, took us to the next hotel, gave us breakfast, gave us dinner, and then we went the next morning. I felt for the people who didn't know about it, but the point is that then on the flip side, I'm not sure if you guys heard about this at MCO in Orlando, an armadillo was dead on the tarmac. No flights could take off. This crazy, what are the odds? But like 48 flights were canceled because if oh, there's an incident on the tarmac. <laughs> I know. We don't know how the armadillo died. A shovel? <laughs> right? Exactly. But a special wildlife yeah. reserve dude had to come out and move him. Oh, it, But wow. imagine being the person standing there going, seriously? Is that They actually like have leprosy. They can have they really bad but, but and, and they're not really native to that area, if I'm correct, because that was like a Texas problem. But it still seems like something that could have been sh- solved quickly with a shovel. But the specific place that you look for these airline rules, because they are always changing, it's 95 percent of the time going to be called contract of carriage. So if you search contract of carriage with the airline name that you're flying, you can look it up and see what you're entitled to. And honestly, it's a good idea if you don't travel very much to get an idea beforehand, before you even book, because I can't tell you the number of times I've seen someone arguing with a Southwest or Frontier or Spirit Airline person at a counter saying they need to put them up on another airline. And they don't do that. That is a holdover that people have in their mind from the big ones, Delta, Continental, U.S. Airways, I've been thrown between airlines and they've accommodated me somewhere else and are required to by their contract of carriage. But a lot of those budget airlines specifically say they're not putting you on another airline. They will just reaccommodate you on theirs. So asking for that and screaming about it gets you nowhere. So this is the expecting part of the unexpected is a really good idea. Like some of the things we're talking about are perks and they're paid perks. So like we're paying for priority passes or premium credit cards that get us things. And not everybody has that. That makes it even more important to know what your rights are. And sometimes you may have those things and not even realize it. Like American Express gives you pretty good travel protection. When we traveled years ago, when our kids were small on a Disney cruise, our luggage was lost for, I think, three quarters of the cruise. We got to Florida. Our bags never made it on the boat. We were stuck on this Disney cruise. We didn't have diapers. We didn't have anything, but we did have an Amex and it covered all of our clothing expenses. My daughters got every single princess costume because that was what they wore the entire cruise. And my husband still wears his Tommy Bahama wardrobe from the Disney cruise. So before you travel, make sure you know what your perks are with your various credit cards, even if they're not necessarily travel cards. And I would say write down all of those phone numbers somewhere, put them in your phone, in your notes, or put it on a piece of paper so that if anything does go wrong, you have numbers to call when you're sitting there on the plane or you're sitting on the curb outside of the hotel that doesn't have the room or whatever. So many things can happen, but a little bit of preparation makes so much of a difference when you're in those situations. I think that the prep, and I think because we travel so much, I think doesn't everybody do this, but as you were saying, sometimes you have to learn things the hard way and you learn it once and then you never do it again. So if I'm traveling somewhere, especially if it's somewhere nice, I'm packing a swimsuit, I'm packing whatever I need for the next day um, or even that evening, um, especially for corporate things, I've flown in and my luggage has been lost. And so whatever I wore on the plane is what I had to go to meetings in. It's what I had to wear to the cocktail party. Definitely always take your medication on with you. 
What do you need if your luggage is not going to make it with you either at all or delayed? If you're going to be forced to gate check, this is really common. Airlines have been really cruel about the gate checking. And there's even rumors of airlines that are making you gate check when you shouldn't have to gate check because there's premiums for the the airline employees. But I always put a tote bag or some sort of a small zipped backpack folded up inside my carry-on because if they're going to make me gate check, I want to get my medications out. I want to get my camera out. I want to get my computer out. I want to get a change of clothes out of that carry-on and get it into a smaller bag that I can fit under the seat in front of me. I used to have to gate check quite a bit forcibly on different flights when the planes were smaller. And I remember, like Mo Mo said, one time we do it and then we don't do it anymore. I gate checked my bag with my car keys in the front pocket of the suitcase. And of course, it somehow didn't make that flight and got on the next one. I had to sit at Manchester, New Hampshire airport waiting for my bag to come so I could drive home. And I was like, never again. Don't think that you'll remember everything in the moment. Like the tote bag that Sharon's talking about. Put a little list in there of what you need to pull out of your bag, because as you're on the gangway or you're in a chair in the whole area and there's people all around you and it's chaos, you may know what you need, but you won't in that moment. The little list to go through and be like, OK, I got my medicine. I got my keys. I got this. I got that will help immensely. It's becoming very clear to me that we need to talk more about this on another podcast because there's a lot of things that can go wrong in travel. <laughs> <laughs> this will definitely be a topic for the future. We need your feedback for that because we covered a lot and there's a lot of other things that can go wrong in travel. If you enjoyed today's episode and you learned something or there's another area or drama that you've faced that we should dive into, let us know so that when we do expect the unexpected travel drama part two, we can get it in there. Thank you so much for joining. We'll see you again next time. This has been another episode of Time to Talk Travel, brought to you by HashtagTravels.com. You can keep in touch with us between episodes by checking out our site, joining our newsletter, or connecting with us on social. We've always got the information you need in our episode notes. Until next time, happy travels, and thanks for being a part of our trip.